Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 15th day of October 2022. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and since there was so much going on this week that's of such incredible importance, I guess the only way, again, to review where we're at is chronologically, starting with last weekend, of course, where the destruction a while back of the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines evidently still just wasn't quite enough. That was followed up over last weekend with the bombing of the Kerch Strait Bridge between Crimea and Russia. Still no mushroom clouds, though. That's the good news. The bad news is the regime, the deep state, and those pulling the Biden puppet strings obviously haven't given up. So here we are, over a week after NATO, or at least somebody pulling the strings for the deep state, destroyed the two Nord Stream pipelines and literally condemned much of Europe to an Arctic winter from hell coming up. We'll get back to that story in a minute. And then follow that up with the warlike antagonism of destroying the Kerch Strait Bridge between the Crimea and Russia... Notice how literally nobody from NATO or any of these so-called Western free nations have condemned that utter, outright, undeniable act of war? So let's start off our review at this point, more or less chronologically, with our recap of some headlines from earlier in the week. From MSN, Russian troops are pouring into Belarus by the train load. That news comes alongside an announcement from Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko that Russian troops would return to the country, which neighbors both Russia and Ukraine, in large numbers, according to their state news agency, Belta. Tens of thousands of Russian troops, literally again, arriving by the train load. Quote, they're traveling in cattle cars, just a huge quantity, just waves of trains arriving, unquote, said a Belarusian source to the Kiev Post. And even though tens of thousands of Russian troops used Belarus as a staging ground for their initial northern offensive into Ukraine back in February, most of them were later withdrawn, and since then only a few Russian troops have stayed behind, mostly air and missile troops. But that now appears to be changing, says the story. No surprise, folks. And speaking of trains, and how's that for a weird segue? This is the story I intended to start with, but you see why we went with the other one instead anyway. From FreightWaves.com and also via Zero Hedge, members of the BMWED, or the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division, one of several major unions associated with the railroads, rejected a contract with the freight railroads on Monday, sending the two sides, maybe anyway, back to the bargaining table and resetting the countdown to a potential work stoppage. Yep, the rail strike is is still not off the table. The question is, by the time they actually get around to it, will anybody actually notice that the supply chain got even more broken? More than 56% of BMWED membership voted against ratification of a tentative national agreement reached with the Class 1 freight railroads on September the 11th. The Biden regime-sponsored deal included a 24% wage increase, which, as you probably figured out by now, won't even cover inflation, $5,000 bonuses, and another paid day off. But, said the statement from their president... Railroad management understands the sentiment, quote, railroaders are discouraged and upset with working conditions and compensation and hold their employer in low regard. And if a deal can't be negotiated, they could go on strike anytime after November 14th. Which means that so far at least only four of the 12 unions associated with the rail system have ratified the new national agreement. And your host can't help but think all of this kind of sort of at least demonstrates priorities. The regime is a lot more intent on destroying the world 
whether it's via nuclear weapons or simply destroying the infrastructure, supply chains, and entire world economy, than they are worrying about a strike that kind of would move them towards those goals anyway. From Hal Turner's radio show via European TV, in what he calls utterly stunning sworn testimony before the European Parliament, a director of one of the world's most evil corporations admitted, uh, and that would be Pfizer, by the way, admitted they never tested the COVID not vaccine for its ability to, um, are you sitting down, stop transmission of the virus which means people around the world were lied to, see what I mean? Their freedom was destroyed because they were not properly poison-poked and allegedly, therefore, could spread the booga-booga, Fauci-developed gain-of-function flu. Countries throughout Europe, and especially places like Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, prevented people from going outside, socializing, or even using public facilities if they had not been given the Zyklon B injection. People all over the world were lied to and told that they would be spreaders if they didn't take the injection. And that was a lie for a number of reasons, but including because the vaccine was never tested for any ability to stop the transmission. Well, hey folks, can we really even pretend to be surprised at that? They skipped the animal testing because they knew what would happen during the challenge phases of that one. And they certainly didn't bother with any long-term testing or uh, testing to see how many people would die of lots and lots of other things, which they knew darn well they were dying from in the few tests that they did, which is why they tried to hide the data. So as Hal puts it, some countries implemented their vaccine passports, mark of the beast precursors. They went table to table in restaurants to see if people had taken the Zyklon B. They were told, show us your vaccine papers by the police. And now we know what they knew. The vaccine didn't stop transmission at all. The vax could still get the virus. As a matter of fact, and as later studies have now shown, they're more likely, not less, to get COVID. And, of course, they can and did because they were turned into walking, talking bioweapon production facilities, spread it to others. Freedom, he writes, was viciously taken away from those who chose not to submit to the Zyklon B. In some places, people were even physically forced to take the vax when they didn't want it. And all of this was glossed over with the lying, disgustingly evil claim that without the vax, you could infect others. They knew it was a lie, and we've known it was a lie for a long time. But now at this point, they're not even trying to hide that anymore. And as the week went on, folks, even though the waste stream would like to ignore it and tried their best, this one seemed to grow legs. And that means I'm going to do something a bit different and talk about it in a different vein in the second segment this evening, for reasons I'll try to make very clear in a few minutes. When it comes to lying, though, maybe even Pfizer got nothing on the three-letter agency that's become the American Stasi. And we've got several stories on that front today. First, from Zachary Stiber in the Epic Times, the FBI team that was in communication with two Facebook. Hey, remember how they were told to hide the Hunter Biden laptop information, just like the FBI had been doing for well over a year before the election? And this was before the socialist media company censored the original Hunter Biden laptop story that's now been identified. Well, says a new court filing, Meta, to Facebook's parent company, identified the team as the FBI's, quote, foreign influence task force, or FITF, according to an updated complaint filed late on October 6th. Meta named the team after receiving a subpoena in the case, alleging the FedGov was pressuring big tech firms, oh gee, could you imagine such a thing, to censor users. Said the updated complaint, pursuant to third-party subpoena, Meta has identified the FBI's FITF, as supervised by Laura Demlo, and Elvis Chan, as involved in the communications between the FBI and Meta that led to Facebook's sick suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story. And you may recall that back in August, Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO and evil head of Meta, 
said that two Facebook had reduced the reach of posts about Hunter Biden's laptop in response to um, advice from the American SS. Quote, the background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to some folks on our team and were like, hey, just so you know, you should be on high alert. We thought that there was a lot of Russia, Russia, Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that there's about to be some kind of dump similar to that. So just be vigilant, said the head sucker to Joe Rogan on his podcast after making similar comments before the Senate all the way back in 2020. By the way, it says the story, the FBI didn't respond to a request for comment on the updated lawsuit, which now names them, the evil Federal Bureau of Instigation, as a defendant. Previously, they'd said that they might have been routinely in touch with various U.S. public-private partner companies, but, quote, cannot ask or direct companies to take action on information received, unquote. No, folks, but there's another explanation. I said, the rest well, in a month from now, this Hollywood Big Shot's going to give you what you want. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Well, I guess Vito Corleone was just too honest to ever really be FBI director. And notice, folks, it didn't even take a horse's head in their beds to get American socialist media companies to roll over. And you know what? Originally, I was going to leave it at that in the story. But there is more information in background here, which is, I think, kind of illuminating. The FBI's FITF was established by the Hormeister-in-Chief Christopher Wray back in 2017 to, quote, identify and counteract malign foreign influence operations targeting the United States. What a crock, according to the Bureau's website. Laura Demlo, supervisor of FITF, has been named a defendant in the case, along with Elvis Chan. We've already talked about that. And according to the new documents produced as part of the discovery in the case by Big Brother and their agents, Demlo briefed the CISA, or Cybersecurity und Infrastructure Security Agency, advisory committee back on March 1 of this year, 2022. And minutes of that meeting show Demlo telling members the FITF actually started two years earlier in 2016 and has about 80 workers, whereupon asked about their goals for approaching their mal, miss, and disinformation, in other words, the things they planned on doing, Demelo said, quote, we need a media infrastructure that is held accountable. Und, we need to early educate the populace. Yeah, get them in line. And then she went on to talk about critical thinking and suggest that it's a problem. Yeah, people are doing it, and they don't like that. Meanwhile, Elvis Chan bragged in a recent podcast that the San Francisco office was, quote, very involved in helping to protect the U.S. elections in 2020. From what? Yeah, from being honest, it would seem. And working with private partners, companies, and election officials, all of them, I guess, public-private partners in the new regime. He indicated that he works closely with the CISA director, who's been revealed to have taken part in pressuring big tech companies to crack down on what they call misinformation. Quote, we talk with all of these entities I mention regularly, at least on a monthly basis, and right before the election, probably on a weekly basis. If they were seeing anything unusual, if we were seeing anything unusual, sharing intelligence with technology companies, und socialist media companies, so that they could protect their own platforms, you know, against things that people might want to say that are actually true. I put that in there, folks. Back to Chan, who said, that's where the FBI und U.S. government can actually help companies. I can't help but think, just like the mafia helps companies by selling them protection. Plaintiff said that the socialist media companies protect their platforms, and that includes, quote, censorship and suppression of speech at the FBI's behest, unquote. 
But wait, there's more. Here's the other side of the coin. This one's from Jim Hoft at the Gateway Pundit. And as he begins, this is Joe Biden's America. They spelled it wrong. It has a K in it nowadays. As they have previously reported, heavily armed FBI agents raided a country home of Paul Vaughn in Tennessee last week. Jackbooted thugs swarmed the property while his wife is heard begging for answers as Biden's Gestapo takes away her husband for the crime of being pro-life. On Wednesday, Biden's Gestapo arrested 11 pro-life activists for a peaceful protest at an abortion clinic that took place over a year ago. Now, you can firebomb places that are trying to counsel people against getting abortions, but don't you dare sing or quote scripture anywhere close to one of Molex altars. The 11 pro-life activists says the piece face up to 11 years in prison and a quarter million dollars in fines. But here's the new headline. Screen images from cell phone video taken by his wife show FBI agents sick at the front door of the home of Paul Vaughn, age 55, after they arrested him at gunpoint in front of his family before they walk off and refuse to answer any questions while one agent comes around from behind the house. On Monday night... Vaughn told Tucker Carlson on his show that the FBI held his children at gunpoint in the driveway while they raided their home to arrest their father for singing hymns in the hallway of an abortion clinic. Hey, I got to say it. What do you bet those kids learned their lessons, folks? You better be good slaves of the almighty state and fear the jackboots or else. And when they finally released him six hours later, guess what? They stole his wallet and phone. Vaughn now faces up to 11 years in prison. And as Hoff puts it, I would suggest correctly, this is what a communist takeover, now it's past tense, of a country looks like. On that score, I guess it's time for at least a bit of good news. Once actual Democrat Tulsi Gabbard, who seems to have a good head on her shoulders and at least understand what tyranny is when she sees it, is leaving the Democrat Party. You may remember she tried to run for president but got deep-sixed by the swamp. In a tweet yesterday, she said the following, I'm leaving the Democratic Party, quote, if you can no longer stomach the direction that so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, I invite you to join me, unquote. Item from the economic meltdown front, still in progress. This one comes from Tyler Durden under the headline, BOE expands their bond buying program amid an historic route to end the fire sale and halt what they call market dysfunction. Last week it begins, we caution readers that the market calm was set to end this coming Friday when the BOE's bond buying program was also coming to an end, while making it clear there would be no actual end as the Bank of England is now completely trapped in any end to quantitative easing to infinity would spark a crash, and if anything, the central bank would end up doing more and not less. Well, says Tyler Durden, just two days later, we found out just how trapped the BOE has become when early on Tuesday morning, the Bank of England announced they would widen the scope of their daily guilt purchase operations, boosting and not shrinking the moral hazard that got us here to include purchase of index-linked gilts or bonds. And they give a whole bunch of excuses here following yesterday's epic bond route, which shouldn't, they say, have happened, but yet it did. There's lots more charts and technical details, but the bottom line is, and I like this quote from Antoine Beauvais, senior rate strategist at ING Group NV, the BOE is clearly paying guilt sell-off whack-a-mole, he said. The policy of consistently acting at the last minute without putting a more credible long-term plan in place is unnerving for markets. Said Richard McGuire, head of rate strategy at Rabobank, the root cause of the problem is that investor confidence in UK PLC has been shaken, and the Bank of England is attempting to mask the symptoms of that, given it can do nothing to address the cause.
Well, folks, they might not be able to do so directly, but remember, there's still World War III. So here, then, is a story that may or may not, depending upon your point of view, have some bearing on that. It comes from Pepe Escobar and the Saker, who observes that British intelligence, or MI6, appears to have some idea of what Moscow might be thinking. The Brits had warned Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, he wrote, and their general staff, that the Russians would be launching a warning strike, Yesterday, this Monday. But what happened was no warning strike, he continues, but in fact a massive offensive of over 100 cruise missiles launched from the air, from the sea, and from land, as Putin noted, against Ukrainian, and I quoted this yesterday, energy, military command, and communications facilities. MI6 also noted the next step would be the complete destruction of Ukraine's energy infrastructure, which, writes the Saker, is not the next step. It's already happening. Power supply is completely gone in five regions in Ukraine, including Lviv and Kharkov, and there are serious interruptions in five others, including Kiev. Over 60% of Ukrainian power grids are already knocked out, and over 75% of Internet traffic is gone. And Elon Musk's Starlink net-centric warfare has been disconnected, he puts it in quotes, by the Ministry of Defense. The Russian equivalent of shock and awe, continues the Saker, will likely progress in three stages. First, overload of the Ukrainian air defense system, and that's already in progress. Second, plunging Ukraine into the dark ages, and that too is in progress. Followed by third, destruction of all major military installations, which will be the next wave. And as commentator Vox Day noted, we'll have to wait and see how those predictions play out. But one thing we know so far is that Ukrainian air defenses were completely unable to offer a significant defense against Russian air strikes even after they were warned they were coming and you'd have thought they'd have figured that out after blowing up the bridge this too i guess is a related item you might call it an update on the destruction of the Nord Stream pipelines and it comes via kim.com and a gateway pundit noting that russia's gazprom has now released photos of a nato seafox mine destroyer found next to the Nord Stream pipelines all the way back in 2015 demonstrating, say the Russians, that NATO has tried and failed at least once to blow up the pipeline in the past. TASS News Agency released the photos on Tuesday of a NATO Seafox mine disposal, <laughs> sick, unmanned underwater drone that was found during a scheduled visual inspection of the Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline in November of 2015. And at that time, and it did receive international headlines, Russia accused NATO of trying to blow it up then. Said official Gazprom spokesman Sergei Kuprianov on the air with Russia 24 News Channel, NATO has claimed that the underwater mine disposal vehicle was lost during exercises in 2015. But such NATO exercises, when the combat explosive device turned out to be exactly under our gas pipeline, unquote, uh, do ring a bit hollow. It was found during a scheduled visual inspection of Nord Stream 1. The explosive device, says the story, was deactivated by Swedish armed forces at that time, and gas transport, which was at least temporarily halted due to the emergency, later resumed. Here next, a story that demonstrates that at least some Europeans are waking up to what's in store for them. Back to the old days, says a piece from Zero Hedge. Europeans are now panic buying firewood and good old-fashioned stoves. As natural gas and electricity prices, along with it, soar, many European households are returning to firewood, a move to offset higher costs as the heating season begins. And rising demand, as you might expect, for firewood is sending much of Europe back to the medieval days, as they put it, of using stoves 
stoves and fireplaces to heat homes. The sabotage of the Nord Stream pipeline system under the Baltic Sea from Russia to Germany has sparked even more uncertainty than normal among Germans as they brace for what could be the coldest and possibly darkest winter in a generation due to rising risks of blackouts and heating issues. On Friday, EU leaders, sick, failed to agree on a price cap for natural gas as the energy crisis might worsen this winter and freezing weather could quickly draw down supplies, limited as they already are, from storage facilities and, of course, catapult prices even higher. So what to do? Oh, yeah, resort to communism. About 70% of Europeans use natural gas to heat their homes, says Bloomberg. Some 40 million people, though, are now burning wood to try and heat it in their place. New demand for a heat source that's been around for ages has now doubled the price of wood pellets to about 600 euros per ton in France. Bloomberg says Europeans are panic buying the world's most basic fuel and demand is so high that Hungary has banned exports of wood pellets while Romania capped firewood prices through the spring. And the demand for firewood has also meant stove demand is high too. Gabriel Kakalugner, AB, a manufacturer of high-end tiled stoves, have said their orders have surged more than fourfold. And customers have to wait until March, which isn't going to do them a lot of good during the coldest part of the winter, for delivery. And i got to say it, honestly, folks, anybody that's paying attention to the green agenda knew this was coming two full years or more ago. I'll wrap things up today with a couple of interesting comments from a piece I saw from Crisis Magazine via Regis Martin entitled Rescuing the Republic. And admittedly, that caught my eye because I'm not sure it's possible at this point, but at least he makes a few interesting points. On hearing the news, the story begins that Calvin Coolidge had just died. Humorist Dorothy Parker, whose wit could be pitiless, asked in mock surprise, how could they tell? Because old silent Cal, 30th president of the United States, back when at least some of them took their O's to the Constitution seriously, the Sphinx of the Potomac, as he was known, had passed on. And at least as they put it, no one noticed. Remind you of anyone today? The current denizen taking up space in the White House. Well, he may well be dead already. It's tough to know. But leaving aside his handlers, media shills, and sycophants who've been frantically propping him up for years, most of us simply can't be sure. But those in the know are certainly aware of the hollow shell that they've kept on life support since before the rigged 2020 election, going all the way back to the Biden basement where this whole cockamamie charade began. How completely unlike, notes Regis Martin, Calvin Coolidge, who, for all that he didn't do during the years he spent running the country, managed nevertheless to do it brilliantly. In fact, says the author, he was such a blooming genius at it that Walter Lippmann, who rejected most of his policies, was so impressed by his, quote, active inactivity, as he put it, that he could see at once how perfectly suited Calvin Coolidge was to the mood of the country. It really wasn't, says the author, you see, so much a matter of what he did or didn't do as how and who he was that did it. Alfred E. Smith, an admiring member of the opposition who very nearly became president himself, said of Coolidge that what distinguished him was, quote, character more than heroic achievement. His great task was to restore the dignity and prestige of the presidency when it had reached the lowest ebb in our history, well, up until now anyway, in a time of extravagance and waste, unquote. And here's the point. Character is what enables a man to stand tall in the saddle, he says, to make choices that are a result of a life long habituated to the practice of virtue. <laughs> How different is that? It's what gives voters confidence in the leaders we elect, back when we actually elected them, knowing that, as Plato put it, here is someone who actually does not covet the job we've given him. 
Allow only those who disdain the exercise, taught Plato, to lord it over the rest of us. How different is that, too, folks? When getting and keeping power becomes the consuming passion, it's time for voters, if they were allowed to anyway, to pull the plug, lest the officeholder be tempted to tyrannize, as we're now seeing writ daily, over others. How different from the moral pygmies, he notes, who tyrannize us in the name of governance now. And he goes on to recite some funny, well, humorous anecdotes about Calvin Coolidge, noting that there are no such stories to be told about the Biden Fuhrer because there's simply no longer anything even remotely funny about him. And, of course, that's true, folks, of the entire plight that the country finds itself in. Let's wrap up this segment with a quick headline that will set the stage for where I want to go after we come back from the bottom of the hour break. Breaking news from midweek said that the Saudi Arabian Foreign Ministry confirmed that the Biden Fuhrer, or at least those that were writing his cue cards, attempted to coerce them to cut oil prices. No, not long term, but at least just until after the midterm election. Can anybody think of a reason why? And as Jack Posobiec noted, Trump was impeached for a whole lot less, even for just the claim and without the evidence back in 2019. Less than 24 hours after Biden threatened the kingdom during his CNN interview, telling Jake Tapper, Saudi Arabia will face consequences if they dare continue those oil production cuts. The foreign ministry for the kingdom of Saudi Arabia released a somewhat lengthy statement saying that, well, they rejected the quid pro quo from quid pro Joe. And they didn't really appreciate, quote, attempts to distort the facts about the kingdom's position. We'll talk a bit more about where all of this seems to be leading and what we need to do about it after we get back. Welcome back to the second segment for this evening, and let's head right to where I want to go next. Let's call it a confluence of events. As a matter of fact, an amazing confluence of events that, if we at least have eyes to see, really ought to help us understand a few things that are going on in the world. So I'm going to start off a bit differently with that in mind and lay out some of those confluences of incredible contradictions that really ought to have people waking up in mass. That is, of course, if they weren't being censored and scared into silence, and all of those things fit right into where we're headed. The question is, with which inanity do we start? But hey, I guess we got to go with one of the biggest lies in all of human history. You must take the Zyklon B injection so that the mRNA in it can modify your DNA. I'm not even going to tell you what else is in there, but we're slowly finding out, and it's really ugly, too. You might get some really nasty side effects. The list is too long even to go through in a half-hour show. 
and your immune system basically wiped out because it's for the children. Well, better still, it's because you care about others, and others can't be protected, even if they take the poison poke themselves, unless you too take the poison poke, which was kind of beyond stupid on its face, but hey, that didn't even slow them down. But we will propagandize you, shame you, coerce you into taking that poison poke because it prevents transmission to others of the dreaded booga 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 Chinese Wuhan Fauci bioweapon flu. Except it doesn't. Literally, most of us have known this for two years now. It was never really a vaccine, although they had to change the definition of that to make whatever it was they wanted to inject you with fit. And let's be honest here. Most of us have realized this for a long, long time, too. If it really did protect you, then you needn't worry about whether the people around you had taken their injections or not. Because you and everyone else who has taken the poison poke is completely protected, right? Isn't it safe and effective? But just in case people weren't quite dumbed down enough to fail to see through that bit of blarney, the mass murderers had a plan B. Oh, yeah. You have to make sure you take the vaccine to prevent transmission of the booga booga flu. That's why we can mandate it and punish you severely and make sure we track you, too, in case you don't conform. Well, it turns out all of that was a huge, stinking, whopping, feeded, and yeah, deadly, criminally evil, genocidal lie. And now there's been even one more huge admission on that front. During a hearing in Brussels on the European Union's COVID-19 pandemic idiocy, Pfizer's president of international developed markets, a real piece of work named Janine Small, admitted under oath that the so-called vaccine had never been tested before it was foisted on the general public and the biggest bioweapons campaign in human history right along with it. Did it prevent transmission? No, and they didn't have any clue because they weren't doing any real good faith testing anyway, and they certainly weren't testing to see whether or not it prevented transmission because in fact if it turns you into a little bioweapon factory you know darn well that's precisely what it does and to his credit a member of the european parliament named robert or rob roos asked the critical question and has since then been doing his best to make sure that people heard the response EU parliamentarian Roos exposed the misinformation campaign by Pfizer with the release of a video tweet in which he called the action exactly what it is, criminal, scandalous, and a cheap lie. And in it he said, quote, If you don't get vaccinated, we were told, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch prime minister and health minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what they said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me that at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus, which he goes on to say removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport. The COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this, he said, to be shocking, even criminal. And honestly, folks, I think that's a bit of an understatement. This, though, he continued, is scandalous because millions of people worldwide felt forced, or worse, they were forced, to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. Which turns out, folks, to be one of the biggest lies in all of human history. And there have been a whole lot of those of late. He urges people to watch the video and share it, and the least I can do here is honor that request and play this for you. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market. If not, please 
Say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. And from that point of view, we had to do everything at risk. Now, right there, folks, is honestly enough of an admission that a whole lot of people around the world, but especially at some of the big pharma and big brother institutions that pushed it, should be feeling the potential for a rope around their necks. After a trial, of course, but there's plenty of evidence here to suggest, no, just killing a few people doesn't get it. When you try to kill hundreds of millions or even billions, you're in a whole different league. And Rob Roos is right. She just admitted, under oath before the EU Parliament, that there was no legal basis whatsoever, nowhere in the world, for the COVID passport, for the tracking, for the mandates, and for everything that was done in the name of destroying the entire world economy and killing as many people as they could get away with. And so far, folks, it's been millions. And who knows how many are still dead men and women walking, not to mention dead babies that haven't even been born and won't, because the damnable poison never did prevent transmission and they knew it. At the very least, they didn't bother to test before making the claim. But let's be honest, when they did know that the point of this thing was to produce and then shed the spike protein and convert people into literally walking, talking bioweapons factories, the claim that it prevented transmission was about as big of a lie as you can find. Now, because there's so much information coming out here, and it's so damning, I want to make sure we pause at this point and throw a bit more on the bonfire before we come back to some of the really shocking contradictions and confluences here. For example, this story, courtesy of the Expose and Global Research. Shocking data from the UK government, which quietly confirmed, as the piece put it, that the COVID-19 not vaccines are killing children at an unprecedented rate. Shocking figures contained in an official report published just hours before Bojo announced his resignation as the chief liar in the UK reveal that COVID-19 so-called vaccinated children, get this, are 4,423% or eh, call it 45 times more likely to die of any and all causes than unvaccinated, actually pure-blooded children, and over 13,600%, well, that's 137 times more likely to die of COVID-19 than unvaccinated children. And yeah, notes the studies, they tried to hide the data and disguise the horrific mortality rates among the COVID-19 vaccinated children. Is anybody really surprised at that? Well, if you're paying attention, this story shouldn't surprise you either. The Federal Death Agency has now authorized Moderna and Pfizer-updated booster shots against Booga Booga Booga, the Omicron variant, for kids as young as age 5 through 11. Last month, a piece from TGP and Jim Hopkins, the booster shots against Omicron, or at least that's what they're saying, got emergency authorization at a CDC panel voted to recommend the poison for people over the age of 12. Oh, and this might surprise you too, the new COVID boosters were not tested on humans. Hey, why do that if you already know the answer, only mice. And on Wednesday, the FDA authorized the Zyklon B injection from Pfizer and Moderna to be put into innocent kids as young as ages 5 through 11. 
in spite of the fact that Dr. Paul Offit, MD, a top vaccine expert and FDA advisor, among a whole lot of people who actually know what's going on, folks, warned last month that there is insufficient evidence. No, the evidence actually leans pretty hard, deadly even, the other way, to recommend the new booster shots for healthy young adults and said, I hope you're sitting down, it could carry risks like sudden death, complete infertility, and all kinds of other nasty things that, as we've seen, may end up even being worse. He said the new booster shot is unlikely to benefit healthy young people, duh, and said it's unfair to make them take a risk because there's no clear evidence of benefit, duh, and double duh. The clear evidence, folks, is that it's killing them. And how angry do you have to get in order to say, come on, people, stop it. This is beyond genocidal, folks. This is satanic evil. And I'm still working up to the confluence of contradictions today. But I do think it's important to focus first on what that evil Pfizer exec actually admitted to the EU Parliament under oath. Listen again. No, they didn't do any testing to see whether or not it actually reduced transmission, because guess what? They knew the answer, although obviously she didn't volunteer that bit of damning evidence. But they were in a real all-fired hurry to inject over a billion people with this untested crap, and obviously they were more than willing to lie to do it. You know, we have to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. Uh, what is taking place in the market? That's kind of a funny, albeit revealing way to put it, isn't it? It's not about saving lives. No, it's not about preventing transmission, obviously. It's about what's taking place in the market. I guess we're talking about a trillion-dollar market here. That overrides all kinds of considerations, including killing kids and maybe a billion or more people, too, doesn't it? And maybe the point is, before people figure out that they've been had, you've really got to get them injected, probably more than once, maybe forever if you're really lucky. But the key is, you have to move, no, not at warp speed even, but at the speed of science. Attacks on me, quite frankly, are attacks on science. You know, we have to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. Just maybe, folks, some people are finally starting to realize what really is taking place in the market. But that's just the half of it. So on we go now to the other part of the confluence today. Starting with this tidbit from Twitter and Ethan Huff at Natural News. Twitter has censored the Attorney General of Florida for daring to warn young men not to take the Zyklon B injection. He didn't even call them that. He said they were the vaccines because of, hey, you'd say this is obvious, wouldn't you? Documented health risks. Says the piece, Florida Attorney General Dr. Joseph A. Ladapo was suspended from Twitter for advising young men in the Sunshine State to avoid getting, ahem, vaccinated for SARS-CoV-2. Or whatever variant it is, they're going to tell them they need to take the poison poke for next. Ladapo tweeted a link to new guidance from the Florida Department of Health warning that men between the ages of 18 and 39, I would say people of all sexes and ages, period, but hey, that's just me, folks, and my opinion, based on, well, you've been hearing it, Evidently, because they have a higher risk of developing heart problems, so they opt to take the Zyklon B injection for the Fauci flu. Quote, today we released an analysis on COVID-19 mRNA vaccines that the public needs to be aware of, he wrote in a tweet that ultimately got him axed. At least it didn't get him sued, yet... Less than a full day after the factual tweet, Twitter removed the offensive language and tweet and suspended him from the platform and instead put up a message explaining that, quote, this tweet violated the Twitter rules. They kindly provided a learn more link. 
because it contains disputed or misleading information. And they want to make sure that you get the official propaganda line, one way or another. The analysis Twitter is so hot to hide showed an increased risk of cardiac-related death among men aged 18 through 39. And Florida, he said, will not be silent on the truth. Well, at least they'll try. We'll see now, won't we? Whether or not Twitter, socialist media, and of course, Big Brother's rigged court system has anything to say about it. And by now, you've probably heard, if it's not obvious, what I'm working up to. Yes, Big Brother and his public-private partners will censor, propagandize, and ultimately destroy anything that doesn't fit their official narrative. Worse still, if you try to continue to think, to avoid what Orwell called double-think, and instead engage in wrong-think, or uh worse still, wrong-speak, you will be punished. All will be punished. But starting with those who are the highest profile. Mr. Wrongspeak himself, Alex Jones, who self-describes as the tip of the spear, has had the entire spear thrust right through him and everybody else associated with his enterprise and, of course, the entire concept of free speech. I suspect if you listen to anything else, you've probably heard this by now. I actually looked for an honest statement of the headline and had difficulty finding it among all the waste media propaganda out there. But here it goes. Alex Jones of InfoWars and his media organization called Free Speech Systems have been shown who the real boss is in a totalitarian regime by a kangaroo court in Connecticut. And by saying that, I'm pretty sure I'm defaming honest kangaroos. No doubt that'll be worth a billion dollar fine real soon now too. Here's how the leftist anti-free speech, yeah and I'm being as kind as I can, Daily Mail for just one example out of probably hundreds puts it, a jury sick in Connecticut on Wednesday ordered conspiracy theorist Alex Jones to pay a billion bucks. Well actually 965 million. But hey, you know folks, when you're talking the kind of money that Big Pharma tosses around daily, what's a measly 45 million bucks? Because he was ruled to have defamed the families of Sandy Hook victims. And it says down on the list of BS here, experts, and I'm not sure exactly what that means, but you can guess, predict a long, drawn-out fight to seize everything Alex Jones ever had, everything he ever wanted to have, and arguably just about the entire net worth of everybody who ever listened to him combined. And one of them warned he could face prison, <laughs> as if what was being sent wasn't enough of a message to anybody that would dare to speak up likewise. Ah, yes, Achtung, you will not speak freely or else. And get this, this is how the Daily Mail begins the piece. Alex Jones brazenly attacked that defamation verdict that ordered him to pay nearly a billion bucks, branding it, quote, the devil coming after us. And I think he's being a bit too kind, folks. The conspiracy theorist continues, the crapola theorists, broadcast live as a stream of fines were read out in court and claimed that the show trial, and he's probably understating that too, was a fraud. The children's parents were being used, and he called it, honestly, what the whole world ought to see it as a big joke. It's just that it's not funny. So I'm going to come right out and say it. If you still had any doubt that there's actually still a remnant of a legal system in the Banana Republic, once known as America, where people got their day in court, and there was such a thing as trial by jury, an actual jury of your peers, no less, 12 honest and true who were to judge both the facts and the so-called law, by now they should have been completely dashed to pieces on the satanic altar of what now constitutes reality.
You can commit treason and then have elections rigged in your favor. The FBI will destroy evidence for you and come after your political enemies. And hell, if you own the news media, for example, if you spend billions of dollars annually just advertising your poisons, you can get away literally with murder. In fact, you can kill millions, maybe even billions if you're good at it, outright, and not even have to worry about liability for it. But if you say things that Big Brother's public-private partners don't want the peons to be allowed to hear, well, they will destroy you and turn you into an object lesson for those who are already cowed as to why they'd better stay that way. Back to the Daily Mail. The InfoWars host, they say, was ordered by a Connecticut jury. Ah, it wasn't a jury, folks. It was only six people. And pull up and read the seventh article of the Bill of Rights, the Seventh Amendment sometime, to see just what a disgusting joke the American legal system now is. The fascists that the Daily Mail called legal experts said that Alex Jones could be jailed for hiding his assets and warned that he will be, quote, hounded for the rest of his days. <laughs> and guess what? If you don't get the message, that's the point here, folks. They will hound you for the rest of your days. And, of course, if they're able to silence everybody who knows better, those won't be very long anyway. If Jones doesn't pony up everything he ever owned and about 17 lifetimes more worth, and they say he could be charged with contempt. Well, let me go out on the limb here, folks, and suggest if you don't have contempt for this pitiful lying excuse for a so-called court, either you're not paying attention or it's already way too late. Now, here's the confluence of events. And please, don't even begin to swallow the whopping lie that Sandy Hook is the issue here for the biggest defamation award in history. Why, your cynical host is now so cynical, so disgusted with what passes for a legal system, or at least once did in this country, that I can't help but think if Alex Jones had just sucked it up, swallowed the line, told his listening audience to take the Zyklon B injection like Trump did and keep your blankety-blanking mouth shut, this whole thing would have never been an issue. Because after all, a billion bucks is just chump change for the people that are spending billions upon billions of ad bucks annually to push big pharma's drugs that kill far more people on an average week than ever died at Sandy Hook. But were given full legal immunity for all the millions that they were going to kill before it came out, just how deadly their not-vaccine injections are and were intended to be. Do a quick search online and ponder the irony. The profits that Pfizer and Moderna are making from selling Zyklon B, and as we're seeing to younger and younger victims as well, amount to at least $1,000 per second. Big Pharma, it seems, owns about 70% of all news advertising. Obviously, that'll buy a lot of influence. And here's the real kicker. They don't even have to advertise, really, if it turns out you can force people to take your product, whether they like it or not, and whether it'll end up killing them or not. Big tobacco, emphysema, and little lung cancer are pikers compared to these demons. So here's the confluence. you got people that are killing more kids every single week than died at Sandy Hook in total, while a guy who didn't kill anybody is being made an example of by a totally corrupt, and everybody knows it, kangaroo court legal system. And the really clear message here, if you'll just stop, step back, and take a look at it, is not only do we intend to kill you, we expect you to go silently to the showers, just like the victims did in the last Reich. Now, at this point, I'm going to pause and turn to the idea that suggests that the title of the show for today which I hope will not only help to put all of this into perspective, but also return to the theme of the show and remind us what it is we need to do about it. I've suggested, and so by the way to Scripture, that a really big problem afflicting the world today, whether they know it or not, is idolatry. 
and not just fake gods made out of wood and stone, although I guess you could argue that silicon, we've certainly got a lot of silicon gods, and they're working hard to create some real impressive AI gods that'll be silicon and other exotic technologies too. Anyway, silicon and chips are certainly one form of stone, but no doubt about it, America and the world today have all kinds of other fake gods as well, like dishonest weights and measures, the almighty god of fiat. Oh yeah, and the great god science, whether it represents the thing that was actually science at one time or another in the past or not, and its high priest, Fauci. And don't you dare criticize either. But they're really criticizing science, because I represent science. That's dangerous. To me, that's more dangerous than the slings and the arrows that get thrown at me. And he can not only kill kids, and their aunts, uncles, moms, and dads, and cousins too, make millions in the process, and of course commit perjury with total impunity, but silence real scientists who dare to question the God-given, well, fake God-given anyway, orthodoxy. And during the same week that the kangaroo courts put a literal wooden stake in the entire concept of free speech... A Pfizer exec under oath in the EU says what we've all known for a long time right out loud. We lied through our damnable teeth about the fact that this poison poke, which does kill your kids, will destroy your immune system, and we aren't even going to tell you all the stuff that's in there that you haven't figured out yet, but trust us, you will if you live long enough. Not only doesn't prevent transmission, we didn't even bother to test it, because guess what? We knew that anyway, and remember... We did it at the speed of science. I've said before, folks, that I think one of the most effective techniques to fight against this kind of in-your-face lying evil is ridicule. There'll come a point, I believe, at which all these minions of Satan will be held up and laughed at, along with their great big stinking evil boss. But in the meanwhile, one of the best ways not to fall for the deception is to laugh in its face. So with that in mind, I offer the following. If you go back not even two centuries in this country, 30 miles an hour was pretty much as fast as a human being could ever go. In the era of the last Great War, or World War II, the ultimate speed limit was set by the speed of sound. Although even prior to that, theoretically anyway, the ultimate speed limit in the universe was said to be the speed of light, a.k.a. C, or about 186,000 miles per second. Later, in the era of science fiction anyway, James T. Kirk and his starship Enterprise of Star Trek were able to go at warp speed. And uh, warp factor 9 was just about as fast as any starship could ever go. Maybe that's why the purveyors of the poison poke decided, since they were going to slam this scam down your throats at literal warp speed, they should call it that. Operation Warp Speed brought you the biggest bioweapon deployment in all of human history. And we're still waiting to see just how many people will ultimately die as a result. But this week, I suggest, we got a new take on the ultimate speed limit in the universe. The speed of stupidity. Metaphorically, you've probably heard that Mark Twain may or may not have said that a lie can travel halfway around the world before the truth puts on its shoes. But truly stupid, especially when it's a lie as well, may end up being even faster. We had to really move at the speed of science. In order to kill as many millions as we possibly could before the truth came out. No doubt you realize a lot of people simply just haven't been listening. So I'm going to suggest ridicule is just one potent tool in the light of the current confluence of amazing events. And it's time to put the ridicule part into at least overdrive. But when it comes to speed, well, stupid moves at the speed of science. And there's hardly anything on this planet, at least for now, that's any faster. And we better withdraw our consent and fight it. 